0: Thank you. My name is John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. And wherever you may be today and whatever you might be going through in your life, I hope you're doing well. But if you're not, if you're struggling, I'm hoping this program today can be an encouragement to you because today we're going to be thinking about the secret of the Christian life. And there is a big secret that it's actually I say it's a secret, it's revealed in the scripture, so it's not a secret, but to many people it is a secret. They don't know. And so today, we're going to be thinking about how we can discover something that many people don't know and maybe that all of us have missed out at times in our life. And that is how we can live the Christian life in a much better way. Than many of us do. And so I hope this sermon will be an imble- a blessing and an encouragement to you as you listen. Hey, I had something happen before I get into the sermon. I need the congregation to help me to understand and interpret this situation. On Tuesday nights, the ministerial staff has been trying to go out between 5 30 and 7 o'clock to make some visits. People visit our church. We're just trying to go. Thank them for coming to our church. We're going out in teams of two. And one of those teams is Rick Lipsey and Carrie Eaves, And so A few nights ago, they were out making a visit, and they went to this lady's house who had just visited our church, I think, one time. She'd only been here once, and she was learning about the church, and she was learning about the website, and she was learning that you could go online and hear sermons, and so she was actually, she had pulled up on this night, she had pulled up one of my sermons, and she was just watching it on her iPad. Well, anyway, they went to the door. She answers the door, iPad in hand, listening to one of my sermons. And they're trying to talk to her about the church, and she's got these two things going on at the same time, and she's trying to turn the sermon off so she can listen to them, but she wasn't quite familiar with the iPad. And so out of frustration, she said to them, I don't know how to stop him. (laughs) And then Rick said, neither do we. (laughs) And so what I need is an interpretation as to what that means. I think I know what it means. So open your Bibles today to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, I want to talk to you today about the secret of the Christian life. And I can give it to you in one sentence if you want to write this down or if you want to just take it in and mull it over. But the secret of the Christian life is simply this, Jesus Christ can and will change your life from the inside out if you will abide in him. Now, I want to come back to that. In fact, that's all we're going to be thinking about today. But I want to say it again, and I want you to hear those words one more time. Jesus Christ can and will. Say can and will. Jesus Christ can and will change your life from the inside out if you will abide in Now, when we hear that statement, the first thing we think is, well, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? If I can do something, if by abiding in Jesus, I put myself in a position for Him to change my life from the inside out, not from the outside in, but from the inside out, I need to know what it means to abide. So let's just read the passage first of all, and then we'll come back and try to answer that question. Jesus is speaking John chapter 15 and verse number 1, and Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Let me pause right there and say that in the Old Testament, Israel many times is referred to as a vine, God's vine. And, And so what had happened was that as you were walking through the temple area on one of the outer gates there was a huge golden vine representing the nation of Israel. And so many of the Jewish people thought since we are Jewish, since we are Israelites, we have a relationship with God. We are part of the vine. They thought that since they had been born into a Jewish family, grown up in a Jewish home, believed in God that they had spiritual life. And so probably what was happening on this night Is that Jesus was walking with his disciples across that temple area and he looked up and he saw that vine on the outside of that gate and he said to them, I am the true vine. In other words, he was saying, you think that you have spiritual life because you're Jewish. You think because you've been raised up learning about all the Old Testament laws, you've been raised up in a devout family. You think because you're Jewish, you're right with God. But you need to understand that true life doesn't come from your religious heritage. True life comes from me. And so that's why Jesus, probably looking up at that vine, he said, you need to understand, I am the true vine. Life is in me. And my father is the vine dresser, verse 2. Most critical verses in all the New Testament, one of my favorites. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus here is using an illustration that everybody then and everybody now would be familiar with. He's talking about a vine and he's talking about branches. And he's saying what is true agriculturally is true spiritually. Just like a branch, in order to bear fruit, apples, oranges, peaches, whatever kind of fruit, that branch has got to be connected to the vine. The life is in the vine. The sap flows from the vine to the branches. And as long as the branches are in the vine, they will bear fruit. But the fruit is produced from the vine. All the branches are doing, they're abiding in the vine. So it's it's, it's something easy for us to understand spiritually. Jesus is saying, in the spiritual life, I'm the vine. The life is in me. Everything you're looking for is found in me. If you will stay connected to me, if you will be in a right relationship with me, I'm going to produce fruit in your life. But the key is this whole idea of abiding in Jesus. So back to the original question. What does it mean to abide? Well, if we were in a seminary classroom studying this Greek word, meno, M-E-N-O, our Greek professor would explain to us that that word literally means to remain. To stay connected to. In fact, I wrote down a lot of possible definitions for the Greek word minnow. Here's what it means it means to dwell, to stay to settle in, to sink deeper into. Again, remain, I think, is the best word. The idea is continual togetherness. And so what Jesus is saying is, if you as a branch will make it the aim of your life to stay continually connected to and remain in me, I'm going to produce fruit in your life. Now, as I said, that's the classroom answer for what does it mean to abide. abide. But what would be the practical answer? I mean, just right out there where we live. What We talk about to remain. And, but what does it mean to abide in Jesus? Well, I've tried to make this as simple as I could so I could understand it better. And then so that you could too. To abide in Jesus is to remain in unbroken fellowship with Him at all times through faith, and obedience. Now that's as succinct as I could make that. I want to say it again. To abide in Jesus is to remain in unbroken fellowship with Him at all times through faith and obedience. So the key part of that definition is unbroken fellowship with Jesus at all times that is he is our spiritual vine we are the branches we don't go out there and try to produce our own fruit we don't try to change our own lives we depend on Jesus we trust in Jesus we stay connected to Jesus and as we stay connected to him what does he do he produces fruit in our lives now does that make sense if it does say amen Turn to keep your place there in John 15, but turn to Galatians chapter 5, because I want us to think just for a moment about what Jesus is saying when he says, You will bear fruit. It's interesting in the passage, he talks, he he begins by saying, You'll bear fruit. And then he says, You'll bear more fruit. And then he at the end says, You'll bear much fruit. And so Jesus is saying, The closer you abide, the more faithfully you abide. The longer you abide, the longer you have this relationship with me where there is unbroken fellowship. There's nothing between you and Jesus. Now, as I was thinking about that, think about what what this means. That means between you and Jesus. You're the branch. He's the vine. You cannot have anything between the two of you. Now, listen to this long list I made. No sin. See, if there's sin in your life, I know we all sin, but I mean if there's unconfessed, unrepented of sin in your life, that sin comes between you and Jesus. That sin breaks that close relationship you have with Him, and that sin makes it impossible for you to abide in Him. It's like you haven't lost your salvation, but when we sin and don't deal with that sin, there is a break in the fellowship, the closeness, the intimacy, the remaining that we have with Him. So we can't have sin in our lives. And also, no doubt, no worry, no fear, no anger, no bitterness, no unforgiveness, no selfish ambition no worldly desire no competing rivalry. Nothing between you and Jesus. There's an old song many of you remember. Nothing between me and my Savior. They, they can't be anything between you and Jesus. And if, 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 if everything is clean in your relationship with God and you are abiding and remaining and you have this unbroken fellowship with Jesus Christ, what is he going to do? He, as the vine, will produce fruit in your life. Now somebody says, well, what does this mean? He's going to produce fruit. Fruit in my life. we we'll look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22 because he mentions some of the fruit that he's talking about here. It's known as the fruit of the Spirit, nine qualities. He says the fruit of the Spirit, Paul is talking, and says the fruit of the Spirit, now watch this, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I think if we took all nine of those different qualities, those attributes, that that should characterize all of our lives on one level or another. Now, for some, you're going to have a little bit of that. For others, you're going to have uh, more of that. And for others who are really abiding, really in unbroken fellowship with Jesus, you're going to have a lot of that. Love, joy, peace, and all these things. If you take that list, I think you could divide it into two categories. First of all, it would be what I would call internal fruit. That is That is qualities and characteristics, fruit in your life that makes you enjoy your life more. And I would call those qualities love, joy, and peace. In other words, here is a person who is abiding in Jesus... This person has unbroken fellowship with Jesus. They're not perfect. They slip up. But as soon as they do, they confess it. They get that right with God. And the goal of their life is to have unbroken fellowship with Jesus. What is that person going to have in his or her heart? He's going to have love. First, love for God and then love for his fellow man. Even love for people who might not love him back. I mean, that, that's, it's, this is agape, unconditional love. And then this person is going to have joy in his life. Unconditional ending joy. I mean, c- continual joy. And then this person is going to have peace, peace like a river, the peace of God that surpasses understanding. And so a person who is abiding in Jesus is going to have these, these internal fruits that will make his or her life better. Now, what we try to do sometime, if, for example, if we're having a hard time loving somebody, we say, I've just got to work more to love this person. Or if we're having a hard time, you don't, we don't have joy. A lot of people are spending their whole lives trying to find joy by buying things and going places, but they're really trying to make find happiness, but they think it's joy or peace. Here's a person who doesn't have peace, and so they say, okay, what I've got to do is I've got to just find that peaceful place. I've got to just calm myself down. Now, when Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, he who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit, notice what Jesus said. He didn't say if you abide in him that you will produce the fruit. It's not your job to produce fruit. The other qualities there, patience and kindness. Maybe, and we all sometimes, I'm sure, struggle with patience and kindness. And so we say to ourselves, I've got to be more patient. And so we work and we try to make ourselves more patient. Or we say, I've really got to be more kind. Sometimes I can be abrupt, I can be rude, I need to work on that. And I, So we, we set out on this mission to be kinder. But it is a futile mission because if you try to be more kind... You're just trying to produce in your life something you can't produce. Kindness is not something that you have to work up. Kindness is something that God puts in your heart if you will abide in Him. And so if you have this relationship with Jesus Christ where there is unbroken fellowship, unbroken oneness, you're going to be kind whether you want to or not. I mean, you are. You're going you're to be peaceful in situations, and certainly we would want that. So the first thing is internal fruit, love, joy, and peace. And then the second qu- characteristic there, I think, would be external fruit. Those are those other six qualities. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That will make you more enjoyable for other people to be around. I mean, who doesn't want to be around somebody who's patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle? We all want to have people in our lives who are gentle with their words and with their ways and then who exercise self-control. And so what Jesus is saying is you don't have to try to produce that stuff in your life. See, to me, that takes the pressure right off of the Christian life. Because if I'm trying to have to make myself joyful, make myself love somebody make myself kind, make myself be at peace, make myself be patient, that can be frustrating and that can be, uh, well, It's just it, it, it won't, you can't do it anyway, so it is frustrating. But if I can see what Jesus has said in this passage, John, you don't have to make yourself loving and you don't have to make yourself kind and you don't have to produce your own peace and you don't have to make yourself patient. All you have to do is abide in me. And if you will abide in me, you're going to find that all of those fruit, all of those qualities, all of those things that will make you enjoy your own life more, and that will make other people enjoy being around you more, they're going to be there automatically because those qualities are the result of abiding in me. Now... As I was thinking about that, I was trying to think of times in my life, and it's not difficult for me to think of these illustrations. Some I've had seasons just like you have where I have abided in Jesus and I've had the fruit of the Spirit. I've had other seasons in my life and where I've not, I have failed to abide in Jesus. I've got my mind off something else, maybe a sin or a fear or a worry or something got in my life and I was no longer abiding. And here now I'm not kind, and now I'm not loving, and now I'm not patient. Now I've lost my peace and now I'm not as joyful as... So I I was just trying to think of some examples in my own life. And I thought of example, first of all, something that happened about 20 years ago, and it, I, I can still remember this very, very clearly in my mind. We were still at the old location, and I had been asked on a Saturday night to do a wedding for a young couple. And I didn't know the couple well. I hadn't been on staff here very long. And I'm not even sure if all their extended family even went to the church, but they were there for the wedding. And so we got together, and it was a, it was a fairly small wedding. We were in the chapel at the old building. And, and so I did the wedding and pronounced them husband and wife. And, you know, when it was over with, I thought, well, that, I, did, I did okay. I did pretty good. It probably about my 10th or 20th wedding that I had ever done back at that time. Well, while I was there kind of patting myself on the back, you know, for doing such a good job... The mother of the bride came up to me and she was not happy. I could tell that when she came up to me. And she said, Young man, you forgot to do the rings. You forgot to have them exchange the rings. And that was my response. Oh, no. I, and I said to her, I said, Oh, and I, I reviewed it in my mind and I thought, She's right. I forgot to do the rings. And so I said, ma'am, I am so sorry that I forgot to do that. I feel badly about that. She said, I'm sorry is not enough. She said, what I want you to do is go out in the hall, get everybody back in the chapel. She said, we videoed this thing, and I want you to do the whole thing all over again because you messed it up. And of course, I was kind of scared of this lady, and so I said, (laughs) so I said, yes, ma'am. And I went back out there, and I called everybody back in, and I said, hey, I messed up. I forgot to do the rings. There's a video on this. And so, so we're going to need to do it again. If the bride and the bridesmaids could go to this room, I'm going to go with the groom and the groomsman to this room. So I got, you talk about an uncomfortable feeling walking in, back in that room with that groom and those groomsmen after I had messed up so badly. I said to the groom, though, I said, hey, I, I, messed, the, uh, I messed it up. I forgot to do the rings. Your, your future mother in law has reprimanded me. What I wanted to say to that guy is, you should run for the hills. <laughs> run for us, run, because, hey, if this is any indication of how it's going to be for you, you got a bumpy ride out there. But I didn't say that. I just, you know, I got, and so I called him back in, got him up there, and I said, dearly beloved, we're here tonight for the exchanging of the rings. I wanted to get that out there, you know. So anyway, I got, got it all done, and it went fine. And I remember that I can still, I was so embarrassed, and I felt so badly about that. And I was, and, I, and I'm sure if I had a daughter and the minister had messed up, I'd have been upset too. So I would have probably done just what that lady did. But I just remember thinking, now, you know, on this night, I lost my pride, certainly. I was embarrassed. I lost my reputation, certainly with that family, because they're thinking, we should have got somebody who knows what they're doing to do this. But I thought, you know, on that night when I lost my pride, I lost my reputation, I lost a lot of time, I had to do the thing over again. You know what? I can still remember, I didn't lose my joy that night. I had joy. I can just remember that I had joy in my heart that night because I was abiding in Jesus. And so we made it through and everything went just fine. Now, that's an illustration. Now, my mom's phone's ringing during the sermon. But I'm abiding in Jesus. I'm not upset with you at all. I hope he's abiding in Jesus. so that he won't be upset but we're all abiding so everything's fine see what i'm telling you if you're abiding in jesus it doesn't matter if your mom takes a call during the sermon and says hey how you doing john dragging on and on he said the same thing five times listen to him if if i give you two minutes you'll hear him repeat himself in the two minutes no doesn't bother me because i'm abiding well we're going to have to stop right there for today we've run out of time but I, I can still remember preaching that sermon and my mom and dad were sitting on the front row and my mom's phone started ringing and she started digging through her purse trying to find that phone and then I don't think she could quite figure out how to turn it off and I thought, well, Lord, I guess I'm being tested because I'm preaching to the people today that if we'll abide in Jesus, we won't get rattled, we won't get upset, we won't get uptight, we'll just preach right through it and live right through it and that's exactly what happened on that day. And so you know, in your life, whatever you might be facing today, I encourage you, put your focus on Jesus and abide in Jesus. And one of the things I said to, the, to our congregation on that Sunday morning was, the way that we best abide in Jesus is, first of all, to trust Him with everything that's going on in our lives. And so whatever you might be facing today, I would encourage you receive that thing in your life as though it has come to you directly from God. Because even if God didn't cause it, God has allowed it into your life and God has allowed it for a reason. And so whatever you might be facing, you just say, God, I trust you with this, with this medical report. I trust you with this uh, family situation. I trust you with my finances, with with my future. God, I just trust you. And throughout the day, I think it would be a good idea if we would just say to Jesus multiple times throughout the day, Lord, not only do I trust you, uh, not only do I love you, rather, but I'm trusting you with all of my heart. So trust the Lord. And then again, another thing I think it means to abide in Jesus, it is that we just talk to him as though he is real. Because he is. He's a real person. There's something about talking to Jesus throughout the day that just keeps him ever present in our minds. He's always in our hearts, but it just helps us to abide and keep that unbroken fellowship with him. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart to make you a Christian, would you just pray this prayer right now? This is the first step to abiding. You've got to be grafted in. You're a branch, and you've got to be grafted into the vine. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I need spiritual life, and that life is only found in you please come into my heart, forgive all of my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. Friend, if you have prayed that prayer, God has heard you. God has saved you. God has forgiven your sins, and today is your spiritual birthday and I want to congratulate you on making the greatest decision that you could ever make in all of your life. We're blessed today to have Rick Lipsy in the studio with us. He's a treasured friend of mine. He's been on our staff here in Pasadena for well over 20 years. Rick, could they go to the website? Could they be blessed by looking at our website? Tell them a little bit about that. Yes. If you go to peacebybelieving.org, there is a section on there Called spiritual growth. And on that section, you will find some booklets that John has written. And one booklet that would be great to follow up today's message is one called How to Be a Happy Christian. When we abide in Christ, there is a joy that comes through our life that can't be explained. And that booklet will help you find that joy in your new Christian life if you just prayed with him just a few moments ago. And so you can go to the website, you can pull that up, you can read that right on your computer or phone. But thanks for being with us today and I hope you'll join us next time.